the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. I think it's just an amazing part of this time that we're in is that we're realizing, hey, like I do have skills, I do have a unique selling proposition, and I have the ability to market those skills to cool business owners that are doing cool things that I believe in and can stand behind and know that I can help them with. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Good morning, Tyson. Uh, always good to record in the morning. I find I have a lot more energy when I record our episodes in the morning as opposed to the evenings. Yeah, it's funny. So I was thinking about the exact same thing because we recorded a really fantastic one yesterday, and but it was in the afternoon. And I, by the end of it, I was just worn out. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's just the afternoon or what. But that's why I like to get my best work done in the mornings. And I think that, you know, we're, we're going to test out the afternoons and see how that works. I, I don't know. We may have to flip back to the mornings uh, after a couple months, but we'll we'll see. So it's good. Well, our guest today is Gina Horky. She's from the Horky Handbook. And uh, I came across Gina on a podcast that I recommend to all of our listeners. It's James Schramko's podcast. And he had Gina on to talk about uh, virtual assistants. And she's actual, a co- actually a coach for virtual assistants. So Gina, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here. So Gina, whenever Jim told me you were coming on, I was actually really interested because I, I use a lot of virtual assistants. I hire them all through Upwork. And so I've got so many questions about how, um, really, I just say basically in general about hiring, paying, all this kind of stuff. But before we get to all of that stuff, talk a little bit about your company, how you got into it, things like that. Yeah. So as you guys mentioned, Horky Handbook is our brand name. My last name is Horky. It's H-O-R-K-E-Y. It is German. And I was lucky enough to marry into that heritage. And I actually started the website just as a place to showcase my freelance writing samples. So I had been in finance for about a decade, uh, both servicing clients as a financial advisor, as well as like a support person to a small family run, but really profitable financial planning firm. And I was 30 years old at the time, looking at another 30 plus years in the industry, and I just didn't want to do it anymore. I couldn't see myself kind of doing the same thing day in, day out for another like 30 years, right? 
So I finally gave myself kind of the opportunity to look into some different career options. And I came across freelance writing for the web of all things. I had no idea like people were getting paid to write content and newsletters and website copy and all of that good stuff. And so I decided to uh, try my hand on it and I safely kind of built my business on the side of my full-time job. And I was the breadwinner. We had two kids that were two and less than one at the time. And so for me to think about a career change as the only income earner was kind of a big deal back then. And so how did it then grow from there, Gina? Yeah, so I started by offering just some writing services and then I kind of fell into an opportunity doing email management and customer service for a high-end tech entrepreneur. Um, I basically saw an opportunity and pitched myself as a solution when it arose and that was the kind of turning point for my business where I felt comfortable with the amount of money based on charging him a retainer to kind of gear up, sell my small practice and leave work behind to freelance full time and, and build the business that we have today. All right. So let's, let's jump in a little bit here. So whenever someone is interested in finding a virtual assistant, like, Walk us through the the initial steps whenever they they're, they're thinking about hiring you all to find someone. Sure. So uh, we offer a free service which is called the Virtual Assistant Finder. Um, you know, my target market is really our students, people that are looking to start a virtual assistant business by either repurposing skills like I did or by learning some new ones based on what entrepreneurs and small business owners are really in need of today. Um, it's really fun because there's this whole new world based on, you know, the internet connecting us. We can work with clients and clients can choose a virtual assistant from all over the world. And you can really find the right person for the job versus maybe somebody in your small rural local economy. Um, and uh, oftentimes business owners wait too long before they make their first hire or they take on their newest team member. And it's because we're used to doing things all by ourselves. Most people start their business as a solopreneur, as a solo practitioner, and we're wearing like all of the hats, right? And then at one point we realize it's not as fun anymore and that possibly it's time to find some help. Otherwise we're going to burn out and quit. Um, so if you can, if you're, if you're on that journey towards building a successful business, Try and stop before you're at or over your full capacity and identify where you can potentially make your first hire and bring on your first team member as a virtual assistant. That would be my advice in the beginning. Gina, talk to us a little bit about your, that business model that you came up with, because I was actually surprised when I signed up for your service, no one ever sent me a bill. And I think it's great and interesting that you target the people that are looking to start the virtual assistant business as opposed to asking the end users to, I mean, obviously I pay my virtual assistant herself directly, but I never got a bill from Horky itself. Yeah. I mean, again, like my goal is to help them to be as successful as possible because ultimately I know then that I'm making an impact, which is really important to me. And then my success grows off of that. I didn't feel the need to monetize on both sides. And I really just wanted to, you know, put the highest quality potential clients in front of this community of kick-ass virtual assistants that, you know, have a great amount of potential experience. When you look at the students within our community, they're oftentimes here domestically in the United States, Canada, 
Western Europe, New Zealand, Australia. Um, and a lot of them are working and looking to change careers. So they have experience. They're just looking to work in an area that they're more passionate about or maybe with people that they're more passionate about and helping them to support businesses that they believe in. Otherwise, um, we have, you know, women that had careers in the past and maybe stayed at home with their kids and they're having to re-enter the workforce. So they have experience and skills. They just don't necessarily have recent work experience and still others that are just looking to bring in a few hundred dollars. Um, and so when you look about or think about hiring a virtual assistant, I think there's a, a misnomer out there that you have to like be ready to take on somebody full time and promise them like 40 hours a week, which is not true at all. Uh, most clients only need, you know, between five and 10 hours of help per week getting started. And most virtual assistants are looking to take on multiple clients. Maybe they're looking to work 40 hours. Maybe they're only looking to work 10 or 20. Um, but the cool thing about building a virtual assistant business is that it's much more secure than working in corporate America where you just have one employer. Uh, we all know that during different times in the economy when layoffs have happened, um, you know, if, if you're on the side of that, like it's less risky to have more clients and part ways with one of them and have to replace them than it is to, to get laid off from a corporate job. So Gina, a lot of people, whenever they're talking about getting a virtual assistant, they ask us, you know, was it secure? You know, or what about my client's information? How do you address things like that? Yeah. Well, most of the time you'll have a confidentiality contract in place and a non-disclosure and all that good stuff. We actually arm our virtual assistants with a contract template that they can purchase through us so that they're protecting themselves, they're protecting the client, and they're protecting the client's potential clients as well, right? Um, there's also different tools like 1Password and LastPass that you can utilize so that you're not sharing uh, sensitive details um, like passwords. Um, and, you know, I think it's also a situation where you have to get to know, like, and trust somebody. So you're not going to hand over the back end of your business to somebody that you've just met and say, hey, like, here's all of the pertinent details to my business and to my clients' businesses. Um, like, make sure you do the right thing with it, right? Instead, what you're going to do is you're going to take on somebody probably for a trial project or maybe a trial period of time for a specific task, and you're going to integrate them into your business a little bit more slowly than that. Um, but it really isn't any different than hiring an employee. When you think about like that trust factor, it just seems different because they're not going to be in your physical space. But you still want to take the same due diligence of vetting that person as a good candidate to support your business. Does that make sense? That, I mean, that makes perfect sense to me. I, it's funny because I think hiring a virtual assistant through a company like yours or through something like Upwork I think you get more information and it's more secure. It's far more secure than if you were to hire an employee because usually when you're hiring them, you're hiring them through a company like Indeed. Those people aren't rated. There's not something that's filtering those people. So I think services that you provide and, and companies like Upwork provide, they give you a lot more information and allow you to evaluate candidates a lot better. Yeah, and I think when it comes to evaluating candidates, if we can speak to that for a minute, um, you know, when you think of like a traditional resume, if you were to put a job description out there and ask people to apply for it, a lot of times, you know, people will ask for your resume. Resumes are kind of an interesting beast and the way that they have been done 
for the most part in corporate America isn't super helpful. So knowing how long you worked at these different companies and what your GPA was and what your college degree, like that's great information, but what entrepreneurs and small business owners really want to know when it comes to hiring a virtual assistant are what are the skills that you have and what's the specific experience that's in line with the things that I need help with, right? And so that's another area that we try to help our virtual assistants to position themselves well. It's really focusing in on their positioning, what do you do and who do you do it for? And, you know, if you don't have a ton of experience, talk about the training that you've completed or your confidence in, in helping people to figure things out. Um, technology changes so quickly that once you know conceptually how to use something like an ESP, an email service provider, it's easy to learn one and then to transfer that knowledge onto a different one. So let's say you have a client that uses Drip, you have another that uses ConvertKit, another that uses Infusionsoft and Constant Contact. Those are all tools that do something similar. And even if your virtual assistant that you're looking to hire doesn't have experience in the tool that you're using right now, if they have experience in another tool, it parlays pretty easily as well. Yeah, I want to attest to the to the sort of testing out and interviewing the the potential VAs. I did all that when I was finishing up my vacation up in Michigan, and I sat on the back porch and I had 15 minute Skype consults with about four or five people, and it was it was interesting. It was sort of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It was like one was sort of too new, one was sort of too bossy, and then one was just right. Like she had <laughs> she had the chops to um, help me organize my stuff, and I mean I can't tell you how how great um, she's been with me. We are going to expand the stuff that she's working on um, because she wants a little bit, a little bit more time from me, an extra five hours a week. So she'll be up to 15 hours a week, and and I'm just really thrilled with the the work that she's done. And 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 it's it was interesting to me how different they all were. Yeah. And you really have to find that compliment to you, right? Uh, a lot of people these days are doing things like the strength finder, um, you know, and, and this is something that we talk with our virtual assistants about too. There's another test that I personally prefer that's free that's called the Enneagram test, but basically different personality tests that kind of assess what are kind of your main skills and attributes um, as an entrepreneur or a small business owner that's looking to hire somebody on your team. You don't want another you, right? You want somebody that can complement your skill set. Um, that can do the things that you either don't enjoy doing, you don't want to learn, or that you're just frankly not that great at naturally. Gina, I've got a, a few other questions because we get these same questions all the time and I try to uh, explain this as best I can, but you're, you're probably a lot better at doing this than I am. So how do you, how do you recommend that people train the virtual assistants to do the stuff that they need to, to get done? Because the, I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, I think one of the big mistakes that people make is is they they expect the virtual assistant to do everything. And I think it's better to kind of piece things out and it's better to have multiple virtual assistants as to have one that does a lot of things. Do you have any opinions on that? Yeah, I think both scenarios could work. I honestly tend to choose hiring specialists myself. So kind of the approach that you mentioned where you have somebody that's specific to certain different tasks. So we are just updating our team page and we have a team of about 10 people right now just under the Horky Handbook umbrella. So we have people that do, you know, uh, bookkeeping, somebody that does graphic design. Um, for social media, we have three different people because Pinterest is completely different than LinkedIn and YouTube or Twitter or Facebook. 
Um, you know, we have people that do content. We have people that can play kind of a jack of all trades, but end up having specific things that we've recruited from them. And then we just know that they're the type of personality that can figure things out. So when a project arises, I know who to pair the project with based on, you know, the working relationship that we've had. I think the biggest detriment um, or how to set up a new relationship between a client and a virtual assistant for failure is just what you outlined, where you find somebody that you like and then you just throw everything at them all at once. It's extremely overwhelming to the virtual assistant as they're just getting started knowing your business and what it is that you do and your systems, processes, values, all of the things, right? So as we talked about before, I think the best process that I found in getting started working with somebody is ideally getting this process started before you're at max capacity. But if you're already too busy, you're just going to have to maybe let some things slide so that you can find a little extra time in order to save yourself gobs of time and increase your profitability in the future, which is by onboarding this new person onto your team and alleviating some of the things from your own to-do list. Speaking of to-do lists, that's a great place for you to start. So you've recognized that you need help. The next thing is to figure out what do I need help with. Um, there's that Eisenhower matrix. Uh, you can do a quick Google search. I know that I think it's Stephen Covey that covers it in the seven effective habits of highly effective people or whatever that title is, um, where there's four different quartiles, right? There's the urgent and important, the, er, the uh, important but not urgent on the top. And in the bottom left quartile, you have things that are urgent but not important. And then your fourth quartile is not urgent, not important. And typically, you can throw away the things that are not urgent. They're not time sensitive. And they're not really important to growing your business. So you take all of those types of tasks and you just throw them out with a bathwater. Um, the things that you really want to focus on are the things that are timely, those urgent things that are also important. And often the biggest opportunity areas for people's businesses are things that aren't urgent, but are still important. There are those growth opportunities that if we invest some time in them now, they will result to, you know, bottom line revenue in the future. Um, and so then you have to determine what are the things that are on your to-do list that fall into maybe those top two categories that uniquely need to be done by you. So there are certain parts of your business that you probably just shouldn't hire out. For a lot of people, that's maybe the practitioner work, it's managing client relationships, it's doing the sales, for example. Um, and then there's other things that don't uniquely need to be done by you, but they're very important to the business. So again, figure out what your priority list is or your to-do list, what makes the cut into these categories, and then prioritize it from there. And then I would start with one or maybe two things. A lot of people that are building a new relationship with a virtual assistant will start with one thing, and then every week, it's their goal to add something new. I actually just um, am onboarding my sister into my business, and that's kind of what we're doing, is focusing each work session, I'm going to teach her something new that I can take off of my plate and, and put onto hers. And one of the things that we'll be working on today, in fact, is I have an affiliate program for our business, and then we also have some JV joint venture partnership courses, and so we have to process payouts. And you know, she's my sister, so I pretty much I trust her with all the money things where I might not trust everybody. My team is definitely trustworthy, but that's just one of those things that you don't necessarily want to just enable anybody to do on your behalf. And so that's one of the projects that we're going to take on today. I have the benefit of being able to train her in person, but if I weren't in person, I would do a screencast for her 
Um, super easy to do. You can do it via Zoom or not Zoom, Loom, L-O-O-M for free. Uh, just install the Chrome extension and it's super easy to record your desktop. You can have yourself talking in the bottom corner or you cannot have the profile and just your voice instead. Um, and that's a great way to get people onboarded to tasks because you record how you do something, what your process is, which is usually in your head, by the way, and not on paper. And you're able to then give that tool to somebody else and they can rewatch it as many times as they need to in order to complete the process to your standards. And then we try to teach our virtual assistants to make things even easier for you by taking all of that information and documentation and uh, fleshing out an SOP, a standard operating procedure, um, because there may come a time where you promote that person within your business or you guys have to part ways for one reason or another. And what a great blessing if they could leave you with that standard operating procedure to plug that next person into your processes and leave you in a good situation. I love that you're bringing on your sister as a VA. That's that's awesome. Um, what are some unusual things that you've seen people use VAs for? Ooh, I mean, I think that there's a rise to use virtual assistants for personal tasks um, more than ever before. And a lot of entrepreneurs or small business owners, like the things that we have to get done are just the things that we have to get done. So it could be, you know, shopping for birthday presents or sending flowers or I'm not, you know, managing personal travel arrangements could be another thing. And I guess for me, it just is, it's, again, these are all of my to do's. It really doesn't matter if it's for me personally or for my business, because this is all my life and I just need help, you know, being able to make sure it all gets done so that again, I can focus on the things that are most imperative to my, my business or my personal life, the things you don't want to put a sub in for, which is maybe reading to your kids at bedtime on the personal level, right? Um, and I think it's kind of cool that, that people are realizing, okay, I can delegate certain things out in my life. Um, and I'm going to, you know, make sure that I'm focused on the things that I'm most productive in and that I enjoy. Cause I think that's how you're, you're most content and happiest in life. So something I'm really curious about is these virtual assistants are an asset to your company and I feel like they could easily be stolen away and maybe I'm wrong about that, but, but is there a way like, so temp agencies, a lot of times they have the option that you can hire that person full time, but you have to, you have to pay the company a fee or something like that. I've never done that, but that's what I've heard. Is there a similar option with it when it comes to your company? So let's say that they've hired uh, one or two of your virtual assistants. They really, really love them. They think they're amazing and they want to hire them full time. Is there an option to then hire them for, for their firm full-time? Yeah, so again, I'm not an agency. Our main client is really helping to make sure that our students are as successful as possible, and they're building their own businesses as virtual assistants. So you're contracting with them one-on-one -on -one directly, um, and we're really hands-off when it comes to how much you decide to pay them and how you pay them and managing the client relationship because there's no profit on our side for it. But I will take a step back and talk to you about the most common ways people decide to find somebody. The first way being, you know, putting a call out to their own like network or community. And that could be personally by making a post on Facebook. If you have uh, a community, like a newsletter for your business, some people will post, hey, I'm looking to hire somebody in this capacity, you know, reply or fill out this form if you're interested. Those can be really great ways to source a potential candidate because they are already familiar with your business. 
Now, some people don't want to work with family or friends, so they would prefer not to go that route. And maybe they don't have kind of that online community newsletter audience to be able to reach out to. So your secondary option is something that you've already mentioned, which is going the marketplace route. So you're going to um, Upwork, you're going to Fiverr, people per hour. There's a whole bunch of different marketplaces now where there's businesses that do act not so much in an agency standpoint, but they are a middleman for matching a freelancer with a small business owner and they're taking some sort of profit off of the top of that relationship. Um, so if you get started working with somebody on Upwork, from what I understand, you're not supposed to continue that relationship off of the platform because that would be a violation of their terms and conditions. But most of the time you end up wanting to have that direct relationship. So another way that you could get started working with somebody is using an actual agency and that's similar to the prop or to the marketplace where again, they're the middleman and you would have to buy out the contract, kind of like what you were talking about with a temp agency. So those are some of the drawbacks to those two areas is you are working with that person one-on-one, -on -one, but the relationship is a little bit clouded when it comes to having a third party involved. The fourth option would be using a service like mine, which again is just free, and it's a way to connect you with some kick-ass virtual assistants that um, you know I'm doing my part in spreading the word about their kick-ass amiss, or whatever word that would be, by getting in front of people like yourself that need quality people um, to help them to get to the next level with their business. So in that way, the first or the last way that I mentioned, finding somebody that's already in your network or using a service like mine, um, there is no uh, uh, hurdle when it comes to contracting directly with that person. And you can decide, hey, this person should remain self-employed, they should rem remain a contractor um, in my business, or, you know, it could be that in the future, it makes more sense for you to actually hire them on as a full or part-time employee. I, that I think home? that that, yeah, I think that that's really appealing to a lot of firms. I think that that's, I think, I love how you differentiate yourself from these other services out there. I think that that's great. I think, I think it's a really good idea. I think it's really appealing to a lot of firms out there. Thank you. Yeah, we've been at this for going on six years. And, um, you know, I did look into kind of a matchmaking option. I looked into um, kind of a using a care.com type of feel for the virtual assistant side of things. And, and then I just ultimately realized that, again, I don't need to profit on both ends of the fence. And I've been in the position that a lot of our students are in. And it doesn't feel good knowing the client is paying you more than what you're receiving. Um, because you know then you're worth more than that, right? And somebody else is taking a profit. So um, just doing my little part to help the kind of freelance economy and this throwback to entrepreneurialism, which I think is just an amazing part of this time that we're in, is that we're realizing, hey, like I do have skills, I do have a unique selling proposition, and I have the ability to market those skills to cool business owners that are doing cool things that I believe in and can stand behind and know that I can help them with. Gene, I want to shift up gears here for a minute. And I know that you are very good at marketing. Your website is great. I know you send out a weekly email, which I think is important for everybody to do. And um, I know you're doing a lot of YouTube videos and podcasts and things. Talk to us about marketing and how that's helped your firm grow. Ooh, um, sure. So that's kind of a, do you have any specific questions underneath that umbrella of a topic? Yeah, sure. 
Yeah, so why do you do a weekly email? I'm always on Tyson to start a weekly email and, and what kind of a feedback do you get on your emails? Yeah, so I guess from taking a kind of 10,000 foot view to marketing and branding and all of that good stuff is um, it's a noisy world out there and it's hard to kind of stand apart from the crowd. There's a lot of people that are doing similar things, uh, whether it's practicing law or teaching virtual assistants or whatever the case may be. And so you have to find what that unique selling proposition is for you. And a lot of the times, um, you know, for, for me and my business, it is myself to some extent, right? It's the story of me going from somebody that wasn't super fulfilled in their corporate career to taking control over my career future and figuring out how to do it different. Um, and I think a big part of that is just connecting on a consistent basis then with an audience. I inadvertently kind of grew the audience. Like I said, Horky Handbook started as a place to showcase my freelance writing samples, but then I started to chronicle my journey and people wanted to hear about how I was being successful and what I was doing that was working and what I was doing that maybe didn't work out so well. And that's where, you know, I kind of authentically made that transition into teaching. And that's more of what I do right now because I am passionate about this self employment movement that we have going on. And so I started a newsletter in the very beginning. Uh, my blog and website was launched in May of 2014. And I think it was July that I started my newsletter. And it was just kind of listening to influencers about building an email list and money is in the list. And that's your direct connection with your customer base. And I didn't have anything for sale really at that time except for my services and the list that I ended up building wasn't actually geared towards uh, prospects that would want to hire me for freelance writing or virtual assistant work. But um, I'm glad that I took that step. I'm glad that I look, listened to that advice and I'm glad that I figured out how to get the first hundred people to sign up for my newsletter. And you know, now we've purged multiple times, but we have like 45,000 people on our email list and we just you know, cut 23,000 earlier this year that maybe weren't actively opening and reading our emails anymore. Um, so we figured some things out as far as how to speak directly to our prospect, how to give them something of value in exchange for uh, signing up for our email list and then designing sales funnels uh, to be able to talk to them about their specific pain points and needs and offer them a potential solution, which for us is either enrolling in our flagship course, 30 days or less to virtual assistant success, or um, using our free VA finder service. And um, writing a weekly email seems like a lot of work and sometimes you don't feel like you have a lot to say. Um, and it's just really that the practice of being consistent and trying to connect with your audience in a specific way. So there's different ways that you can go about emailing your email list. It could be sharing resources from around the web. It could be sharing resources that maybe you guys have written content on or produced podcast episodes about. Or I take a pretty personal route to writing a newsletter, and so I try to take the themes of my everyday life and pair them with what's going on in my business and what's potentially going on in the day-to-day -day business of my audience as well. And then authentically work in plugs for you know, our courses or services or other affiliate offers that we might be promoting or something like that. And that's just kind of one leg of our marketing tool. We also use social media. And as I mentioned before, I have somebody kind of different for each one of the channels for the most part. And that's because they all work so differently. 
we're not utilizing social media to make a sale, but more to get in front of our target audience on a consistent basis. Same thing with maybe producing content for like YouTube, right? And doing videos or being a guest on, on podcasts like I am today. And it used to be that you had to get in front of somebody like three times before they would make a decision to buy from you or not. Pretty sure the current statistic is like 13 times. Um, and then you also have to like consider timing as well. Um, it's not always the right time that you're in front of somebody that for them to get started utilizing your service or product, even if it's the right fit for them. And so I think it's just trying to figure out that balance of what to share in order to get in front of your audience on a regular basis and then how often is enough and not too much. And then you have to take into consideration things like algorithms and, and changes and and the newsletter is so important going back to that point because it's what you own. Like you don't own the email service provider. We use Drip, for example, or other people use ConvertKit or whatever else. Um, but you do own your list and you can export that at any time. You do not own your social media channel. Facebook could go away at some point or, you know, it could shut down temporarily, which we've all seen happen from time to time where things are glitchy or just not working. Um, and there's not necessarily really a list for you to export it in a given period of time too. Um, so I guess the ownership is more in your prospect base in your email list versus on a social media channel. Although all of these things can work in conjunction. That's awesome. All right. So I do want to start to wrap things up because we, we want to be respectful of your time, Gina. But before I do, I want to remind everyone to go to our Facebook group. There's a lot of great activity. Hopefully that never goes away because there's a lot of great information <laughs> in that Facebook group. That would be devastating. Um, also, if you don't mind taking a few minutes or a few seconds, really, to go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and give us a five-star review. That really helps us out. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week? All right, so for my hack of the week, it's actually a challenge. So here's my challenge. If any member of our group and every member of our group takes their phone and shoots a video and posts, posts it for their law firm for seven days in a row, uh, starting the day after this episode drops or whenever they want to start, if they do seven days in a row, I will send them uh, a surprise at the end of the seven days. Wow, I don't even know what the surprise is, so I'm I'm intrigued. And can I can I do this too? Am I am I a part of this? Can I do the seven day challenge? You know, it's been a while since you posted videos, so I saw that you posted one yesterday. I was excited about that, so yes, you can participate as well. But you got to do seven days in a row, and you got to share it with the group so everyone can see what everybody's doing. You know, it's funny. I didn't post a video yesterday. That was posted in 2016. Someone ended up commenting on it, and it went back up. I guess in the algorithm. So I just, some guy commented on it. He had apparently searched. He was he's looking for about case funding or something like that. There was a video about it. It was insane. So good stuff. All right, Gina, do you have a tip or a hack of the week for us? Yeah, you had mentioned maybe a resource that would be helpful. And one of my favorite books is by Derek Sivers. He used to own CD Baby back before like iTunes was a big thing. Uh, he helped independent uh, musicians get published on the internet and be able to sell their stuff. Um, and anyway, he is author of a wonderful book called Anything You Want, 40 Lessons for a New Kind of Entrepreneur. Um, and I like the audible version cause he reads it himself and he's got a very nice calming voice and it's just 
One of my favorite all-time books that I've listened to multiple times, it's pretty short as well, and it kind of really just helps you to think about your own business and doing it your own way because you do have um, options, choice, control over how you run things. Great stuff. Great stuff. All right. So my book, I've got a book this week. It's not an app like I normally do, uh, but I've got a, a book this week. Uh, I've got, got to be honest. I think Jim turned me on to this guy. I've never really been a big fan of his, and, but I, 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 I don't know. I've warmed up to him. Uh, Brendan Burchard. I think Jimmy, you, you introduced me to him, but um, he's got a book called High Performance Habits. And I just honestly got it out of curiosity because I was like, eh, okay, we'll see. It's actually a really good book. Um, it, it, it really does uh, break things down. And, and he's essentially analyzed I mean, highly successful people. And it's been a long time doing it and, and really breaks down the habits you need. And so it's, it's really cool. It's not really, really complicated. It's a, a fairly thick book, though, but it's, it's a really good book. And so I recommend it. So High Performance Habits. Uh, How Extraordinary People Become That Way by Brendan Burchard. Gina, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a lot of great information. I, I really do appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks again for having me. And for anybody that's interested in learning more, finding your own kick-ass virtual assistant, or maybe you know somebody that wants to become one, check out HorkyHandbook.com. That's H-O-R-K-E-Y Handbook.com. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks Gina. Gina. Bye, guys. Have a good one. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your host and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.